doing good, thumbs up, all right. Good to see you guys. Hey, uh, one quick announcement. We have some missionary, uh, a missionary family that's in town with us. Um, they were here Wednesday night. If you were not here Wednesday night, they will be with us again this evening at 5 o'clock for service. Um, they're from uh, Colombia, actually this little island of uh, Tierra Bomba, it's called. And they're going to be sharing a little bit with us tonight, um, Alexander and Carolina Diaz. They'll be sharing with us at 5 o'clock service, and then we're going to have our normal Bible study afterwards, and I don't think it's a coincidence where we are in our Bible study on Sunday evenings. Um, some of you guys asked me about God's calling um, on your life, and so we're going to talk about God's calling on your life and also fruitfulness in your life, fruitfulness in your life and in ministry also. So we're going to be talking about that tonight, and we're going to hear from uh, the Diaz family about the work that's going on there. Um, they're also church planters. They've planted a church there on that island. And so, if anything, just keep them in prayer. If you can make it back tonight, it'd be great to see you again and uh, to fellowship and to get in, in God's Word together. This morning, though, we are in 1 Corinthians. What chapter are we in? Chapter 6. What verse? All right. 1 Corinthians 6.12 is where we left off. So good time to turn your Bibles with me there. 1 Corinthians 6.12. So this morning's Bible study comes with a disclaimer. If you've read ahead or you know this chapter, you know exactly where we are going this morning. Um, for some of y'all, it might be uncomfortable. Uh, maybe for some of us, disturbing. Here's the deal. It's God's Word. And uh, that's what you get. When you come here to Calvary Chapel, that's what you're going to get. Like, if you haven't realized that yet, you're going to get God's Word. And uh, some of it's heavy. It'll be heavy for some of us. Um, for sure this morning. I know there's kids. There was kids first service. And uh, listen, our kids need to hear from God's perspective on the topics that we're going to look at this morning. And, uh, you know, I've over the years, we've had families that have brought kids um, to service and they couldn't believe the things that they were hearing and that I would teach the things that I was teaching, but I was teaching the word of God. And I, and I just simply ask, OK, what, what are they watching at home? What are they listening to at home? And it's like, well, you know, they MTV, I don't even know if they have that anymore, MTV, <laughs> this show, that show, they listen to Snoop Dogg and this guy. So you're going to let your kids listen and be taught things of, things of the world by these unsaved, unregenerate people, and yet you're going you're gonna, to, like be bummed out because I'm sharing God's word from God's heart. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's a no-brainer. It's like, how in the world can we not give our kids God's word and share with them? And, um, you know, and it's full strength, but also, it, you know, in a way that they can understand as well. So what is the talk? Maybe, maybe you've come this morning. What are we talking about? We're talking about sex this morning. <gasps> Did pastor just say sex? Can he say that in church? Well, yeah, I just said it. It's not a surprise to God. He's the one who invented it. 
correct? And he's given us the safe parameters of sex. He's given us um, this precious gift, you guys. He invented it. He made it to be a blessing for procreation, for our pleasure, to, to help us in, in maintaining our oneness. That God, you know, realize a supernatural miracle, God makes us one. And then he gives us his gift to, 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 to help in our oneness, to strengthen our oneness. But listen, this morning, uh, sex is only safe within the confines of the marriage bed as prescribed by God in his word between a husband and a wife, a genetic male and a genetic female, husband and wife. I've got to say that now these days, too. Anything outside, listen, anything outside of God's parameters is not only, not only unlawful, but it's also dangerous, you guys. It's deadly. And so God's word says in Hebrews 13 that the marriage bed is honorable among all. The bed is, unde- marriage is honorable among all. The bed undefiled. It is holy, it is pure, it is good. The things we're going to talk about this morning, there's war- God's going to give us warnings, and we're going to be reminded of the amazing intimacy that we have with the Lord, that we've been joined to Jesus Christ miraculously, supernaturally, gloriously. And so, well, let's pray. How about that? And then we'll get into God's Word. Lord, we thank you this morning. Um, for gathering us together to be in your presence. I pray, Lord, that my precious brothers and sisters would take away those things that have come from your heart, that we would correctly divide your word, correctly apply it. We want to bring you glory, that your name would be hallowed. And so we open our hearts to you now. As my brother prayed, speak. Your servants are listening. You are the potter. We are the clay. Mold us, shape us, make us into those men and women that you desire us to be. Thank you that you've touched our lives, you've transformed us, and continuing that marvelous, that marvelous work you've begun. Lord, have your way in our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 All right, so just by way of reminder, it's important to set the context, especially this chapter of where we're at this morning. Um, remember the Apostle Paul is the one who, um, he planted this church, he pastored this church, he had left the church and uh, left it in the hands of capable uh, leaders, and yet um, after a certain amount of time, some problems arose within the church, correct? We've been looking at that? And God is helping us to work out problems that will arise Within the church, within the family of God, within the body of believers that gathers together, there will be issues, there will be problems, and God gives us instruction on how to work through those things that we might might be healthy spiritually, healthy in life, and bring God glory in what we do. Correct? Amen? Okay, so now we're getting to the next issue here, and it's sexual immorality or ungodly practices that the children of uh, the, the, the church was involved in. They didn't cut themselves off from. And remember, Corinth was a, Corinth was much like the United States, a sex-saturated culture. They had a, uh, a temple there, world-famous temple um, to Venus or Aphrodite, and there was thousands of prostitutes, and people would come from all over the world to go there to worship 
and they would consummate their time of worship by getting together with a prostitute. And so, um, again, sex had a stronghold in that community, much like ours as well, around us today. It is a spiritual battle, you guys. It is a spiritual battle that we are to fight with spiritual weapons. And so Paul is dealing with Christians, again, who haven't separated themselves away from this behavior that they're involved in, and all the while helping to remind us and understand what it means to be a Christian, you guys. What it means to be a Christian, what it means to walk with the Lord, and uh, how God connects us with Him. So let's look at verse 12. Paul begins here in this next section, or this next manageable slice, if you will. God's Word says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach, and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so let me draw your attention back there to verse 12. And so Paul is going to be talking about in the next, uh, next few chapters about Christian liberty. How we have been set free from the bondage of flesh, of the bondage of the flesh, from slavery to sin, and now there is liberty in Christ. Is anybody thankful for the liberty we have in Christ? I'm so grateful that Christianity is not about keeping a bunch of rules and regulations. It is about a living relationship, walking with Jesus day by day and moment by moment, being led by the Spirit, living in the Spirit. And so as we walk with the Lord, there are certain gray areas, aren't there, that the Scripture doesn't quite um, give us instruction concerning. Are there gray areas? Some areas that we have leeway on to be led by the Lord, correct? One example is dancing. Can Christians dance? Some can, some can't, right? That's typically my answer. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. It'll, it'll, you'll get it a little bit later on the drive home, maybe. But there's certainly freedoms we have in Christ, correct? And some of the main issues that Paul deals with in the early church were concerning the diet, 
right? The dietary, uh, the diets that pe well, people were eating, food sacrificed to idols and so forth, and, and what days you worship on um, were issues in the early church. And he talks about the liberty that we have um, as Christians in that. He's going to give us some general guidelines as we work through um, the book of Corinthians. But right here, he mentions that all things, hey, we've been set free. All things are lawful for me, but what does he say? All things are not helpful, or some tr translations say all things are not beneficial. It carries the idea of some things we get involved in, we, it carries a lot of baggage. There's a lot of things that we get involved in that are gray areas that we're better off not doing it. We're better off not being involved in that. It's keeping us from God's best. Are you with me? Still, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews to lay aside every weight and sin that would slow us down in our race. There's certain things, certain freedoms we have that would slow us down in our race with the Lord. I think, you know, some people own pets. Some people are pet owners. We have some pet owners here. There are some people that their pets own them. <laughs> and that's the next point Paul makes. All things are lawful for me, but what? I will not be brought under the power of any. There are some things, some liberties, some freedoms that, that we may begin, and we're free to do that, but what can happen? We can end up being addicted. We could be, end up, for lack of a better word, that thing is controlling me. And we've seen it, people involved in gaming. Oh, just a little freedom playing some games and all of a sudden, boom, they're caught up in that. And it's like, what happened? Or there's lots of different issues. Our possessions. Our possessions can end up possessing us. And we can, have, we can enjoy what the Lord has blessed us with. But Paul says, don't let that thing have power over you. Don't let that thing control you. Why? Because we're to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. To be led by the Holy Spirit. And so... Paul is probably, probably responding to the Corinthians who had heard him say all things are lawful and they took it to an extreme, you guys. And what do I mean by that? He's probably referring here, hey, Paul's saying, hey, when I was with you, I said concerning Christian liberties that all things are lawful. There is latitude. There is room. Liberty concerning those things, days and diet and so forth. But it doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter what you put in. Jesus talked about that, didn't he? It's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of a man. That's what defiles him, what comes out of our hearts. The heart of the issue is always the issue of the heart. And so Paul reminds them here, I was talking about Christian liberties when I was with you, not, a, not violating the law of God, not breaking God's Law And so what is permitted, listen, what is permitted for us is uh, not only um, is not only our guide for our behavior. OK, what, is it helpful? Is it going to bring me into bondage? And so Paul here, the Corinthians were probably justifying what they were doing. They were probably justifying their sin using grace uh, as a license to sin. Hey, we're 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 set free. Paul said so. All things, Paul said all things are lawful for us. Everything's fair game, even in partaking in the services of a harlot or a prostitute. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we've been set free, but our freedom, listen, our freedom is not to be used as an opportunity for the flesh. 
Paul would tell the Galatians, but what? But in love to serve one another. Our freedom should result in what? In loving the Lord and loving others. And, and, and sharing the love of Jesus with others. And so, Paul goes on, verse 13, and it sounds like biology 101, doesn't it? Foods for the stomach, and stomach for the food, and, and the stomach for foods. But that, I'm told that was a saying, a slogan during those times that they would use. Food is for the stomach, stomach for foods. And guess what? Since that's the case, my stomach needs food. And when I need, my stomach needs food, what do I do? I feed my body. And guess what? Same way with my other members. When I have an urge, I, when I have this special sexual urge, what do I do? I go see a prostitute. I got to fulfill or satisfy those needs. And what does Paul say here? He says, listen, food for the stomach, stomach for foods, God will destroy. That's, a, um, that's an unfortunate translation. If the word destroy means to render inoperative or to put out of use. In other words, there, one day God is going to render inoperative and put out of use both our stomachs and, and food around us. Why? Someday it will, neither one will be necessary. Why? Because we're going to have what? Glorified bodies fitted for all eternity, you guys. We're not going to need food or stomachs. It's going to be amazing. And so um, the Corinthians were probably rationalizing their behavior is what Paul's addressing here. Um, their slogan... Foods for stomach, stomach for foods. Hey, just like my stomach needs to be satisfied and gratified with food, so do my other body parts need to be satisfied and gratified. And so I can connect um, with a prostitute to satisfy those urges. And um, I would point out this morning, we do have sexual urges. They are natural. However, listen, they are to be brought under the guidance of God's word and governed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just because you feel it, just because you want it, doesn't mean you should satisfy it. Our, fle- does our, fle- our flesh cannot be satisfied, can it? No way, man. Our flesh is like a forest fire. You don't t- knock out the forest fire by feeding it. Our flesh is corrupt. My flesh is corrupt that right now as corrupt as the day I got saved. Paul said, I know that in me dwells no, in my flesh dwells no good thing. But we do have something amazing, glorious, supernatural dwelling in us. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And so Paul's making this point. Yeah, this is your slogan. But, but listen, here's the future. Paul's speaking about the future. What's going to happen? God's going to render both the stomach and foods inoperative. And so when it comes to liberties, not all things are helpful. Not all things are helpful. When we give ourselves over to sin, it is devastating to our spiritual growth. And not just that, sin is impacting. It ruins our lives and it ruins other people's lives. And it keeps us, listen, sin keeps us from God's best. It keeps us from God's best, what he wants for us. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. And Paul also says, listen, I'm not going to be brought into the power or authority of anything but the Lord. So what is our body for? Well, let's see what it's not for, first of all. Look at, the, look at the middle part of verse 13. Now the body is not for sexual immorality. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Our bodies are not for sexual immorality. Not to be used for sexual intimacy outside, again, of the marriage bed as prescribed by God. 
That is using your, sexual immorality is using your body in a way God never intended. And we see the damage all around us, don't we? Of that? Does anybody see the damage of that all around us? STDs, AIDS, abortion, unwanted pregnancies, broken families. That's why people's lives are ruined by doing what's wrong, what we're warned about. God doesn't just warn us about these things because he wants to make our lives miserable. It's, it's for our benefit. It's for our blessing, he warns us. And so then if, that's, if my body is not for sexual immorality, what's my body for? Look what it says. It says yep, you guys got it. For the, for the Lord, for Jesus. My body is for Jesus. My body is to be dedicated to him. Romans chapter 12. Paul said, I beg you, my brethren, in light of all that Jesus has done for you, that you would offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it's the only response that makes sense in light of what he's done for us is to say, Lord, here's my body. You've saved me. You've set me free. We learned last week we've been washed. Our sins washed away, gone, sanctified, set apart for him, for his purposes, for his use. And what else? Justified, not only declared, not only declared forgiven, but declared righteous in God's eyes. Amen. In light of all that, in light of what the Lord is doing, he says what? To offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Your body is for the Lord. But not just that. Notice what it says at the end of verse 13. The Lord is for the body. Jesus is for our bodies. Isn't that amazing? That tells me we are made to be inhabited by him. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up, I will come into him and dine with him and him with me. It speaks of an intimate relationship, glorious. What is, so if, if the Lord is for the body, he wants us to what? To experience the closest possible relationship. There's no separation, so intertwined together, and it's miraculous, isn't it? That's why Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's miraculous. It's awesome. Can you believe the Lord would come and inhabit us? Well, that's what we're made for, to be inhabited by Jesus. And Paul reminds him in verse 14 of what God has done. And not only what God has done, what he's going to do with our bodies, our future. Paul writes in verse 14 that God has raised Jesus from the grave. He reminds us, Jesus was risen, God raised him from the grave by his power on the third day, and God is going to raise us up also by his power. I think that's awesome. We're going to learn more about that in chapter 15. We will experience a resurrection like our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Brand new body fitted for all eternity. Is anybody happy about that? Some of the kids are like, no, I like this, this bod. Pastor ripped. Just wait. All I say is just wait. I was saying the same thing until like, you learn more about gravity. I mean, don't you guys wake up like with aches and pains? 
Does anybody wake up with aches and pains here? It's like, where in the world did that come from? And I feel like I got punched and... I don't know. Well, Paul reminds us the future of our physical body is heaven, a new glorious body fit for all eternity. And then Paul says, do you not know? Paul expected them to know. He expects us to know this morning that what? Your bodies are what? Are members of Christ. Again, he reminds us of that connection of how we're connected to Jesus Christ, not only individually, but corporately, guys. Corporately as a family, we're connected to Jesus Christ. And he says, since that's the case, since you're connected to Jesus, should you then connect him? Join him with a prostitute? And he answers his question. Well, look at the exclamation point at the end. Certainly not. That's like, no way, man. Perish the thought. And so they thought, so here's, there's a group of Corinthians in the church. They thought their sexually immoral conduct was not connected with Jesus. But that's simply not the case. When you go to bed with that prostitute, you go, to, you go to bed with someone else besides your spouse or the one that God has for you, guess what? You're taking Jesus right into bed with you. That's heavy. And, and, and no doubt the Corinthians, like some in the church, think, you know what? I've got, this area is for God in my life, but this whole area over here, this is my area. You know what? It's all the Lord's. It's all his. We're going to read, as we read already, he's bought us at a price. We are no longer our own. We belong to him. We're owned by him. We're under new management, aren't we? New ownership. And so he says in verse 16, do you not know? There's something else we need to know that the church forgot or needed to be reminded of. Do you not know, Paul expected them to know this, that the person who is joined or intimately connected to a prostitute, notice this, becomes one body with her. Why? Look what it says. The answer is right in the text. For the two, those two lives, God says, shall become one flesh. Wow, this is heavy. Sexual intimacy makes the two one flesh and links two lives together. It's more than just physical, you guys. It goes deeper than satisfying some urges physically. It goes deeper than that. And listen, God's intent, God's purpose for marriage is that our two lives become one. Are you with me? He makes us one and we are to work at oneness. And and that's why he's given us sex is to work at oneness, to help us stay intimately linked. That's one reason. And we become, when 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 we do, when we are sexually intimate, guess what? We become one flesh in a way that has God's blessing. But outside of that, listen, there's not, God's blessing's not on that. God, you're under God's curse. That's, uh, that's a heavy thing to say right now. Because sexual immorality corrupts something God has designed to be holy. It's designed to be, listen, it's designed to be so special that when it's out of sync with God's original intent, it's damaging. What happens with that casual encounter? In some spiritual sense, they become the, the two become one flesh. And what's happening? You're giving part of yourself away. 
Someone's taking a part of you. That's what's happening. You're giving a part. Oh, and what, what's the result? There's less of you to give to Jesus. There's less of you to give to the one that God has given you or is going to give you as a spouse. And you know what? It, you're not going to be satisfied. Because what you're looking for can only be satisfied by Jesus Christ. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You guys remember John chapter 4? Samaritan woman at the... Where was she at? You got H-E-B? Heb? Hebrew market? Where was she at? At the well. Jesus goes out of his way to reach this one woman. You guys remember? He offered her living water. Drink of that water, you're going to thirst again. And you can put that banner over everything, can't you, in the world? Whether it's power, sex, money, drink of that, you're going to keep thirsting. You can't satisfy the flesh. You can't satisfy that, 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 that your heart. And what did she say? Give me, give me some of that water. And what did Jesus say to her? Before he could give her the living water, isn't it awesome how Jesus deals with us? So tenderly put his finger on the issue in her life. Right? Before, before he could give the living water, the issue of sin had to be dealt with. Go, go and get your husband. Bring him here. Remember what she said? I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, what? You have had five husbands. And the one that you're with now is not your husband and that you've spoken truly. You see, she was hopping from man to man to man, trying to fill that void in her heart, the emptiness in her life, trying to be satisfied, again, with something that can only be satisfied by the Lord, you guys. And so Paul addresses this with them. He says, he's trying to get them to see. In verse 16, listen, what's happening is that you're, the two are becoming one flesh. While they were making themselves one with a prostitute, because they were connected to Jesus, they were bringing Jesus into that ungodly experience. Listen, this morning, since we belong to Jesus, body, soul, spirit, we have no right. We have no right to give away any part of ourselves to an unauthorized person. We belong to to Jesus. And notice verse 17, our connection with Jesus is beyond skin deep. We're one in spirit. Look what Paul says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And as Christians, we know, don't we? We know. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. We rejoice in that, don't we, this morning? No one rejoices. He's with us no matter, what, no matter what's going on. He'll never ditch us. Anybody happy about that this morning? I am. Because there's some times like, I'm not feeling your presence, Lord. I'm having a hard time reconciling your love with my current situation. But he says, I'm with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, thank you that you're with me. No matter what I'm going through, no matter where I am. And we rejoice in that. But listen, when we give ourselves over to sin, we're dragging him into it. He's there. Wherever we, wherever we go, Jesus goes with us. And that's really either very comforting or very convicting this morning. 
As a Christian, you drag Jesus into your illicit activity and you're taking something beautiful and then you're cheapening it, cheapening it horribly. You corrupt something that God designed as holy. It affects not only you, it affects Jesus also. That's what the point that Paul's making here. He's trying to get them to see how serious this is. And again, back to the Samaritan woman at the well. Listen, uh, the, the person pursuing sex apart from God's guidelines is looking, again, for something they can only find in Jesus. Love, acceptance, adventure. That's found in Jesus Christ, you guys. It's not found from jumping to bed, to bed, to bed. Love and acceptance and adventure is found in Jesus Christ and walking with him. And so we have this amazing, glorious connection Paul reminds us about. Have you considered the depth of that connection this morning? How awesome, who we are connected to. Listen, don't trash what you got. Don't treat it as unholy. Can I encourage you this morning? So what do we do? What, when we're faced with sexual immorality, when we're tempted, what should we do? What's the book say? Next verse, check it out. What's it say? Verse 18, the answer's right there. Be brave, resist. Stick around to see what happens next. Is that what it says? What's your book say? What's the Bible say? Flee. What does flee mean? Run. Take off, man. Flee sexual immorality. Get away as far as you can. And it's literally, it's continually. The verse in, he, in uh, the Greek, continually run away from, get away from. Anybody here ever go on a diet? You're laughing, you're laughing because, because why? Because <laughs> you didn't keep it? Because you blew it? Because you were tempted? You didn't run, you didn't flee from that. Whatever it was that broke your diet, right? Are you with me? That's, that's a lame illustration. But I think how many have fallen because they underestimated the power of sexual passion? I'm learning, if I'm not ready to run, I'm in danger of being pulled in. You guys remember Joseph? Remember Joseph from the Old Testament? Remember the story of his life, Joseph? Genesis 39. It's an awesome story, his life. Isn't it? Isn't it an amazing story? He, he, that's a dude that got done wrong. If you ever think, man, I got done wrong. Family disowns him, sells him into slavery. Spreads rumors that he's dead. He's a nobody. He's a non-person anymore. See you later. And where does he end up? He ends up in Egypt. And you know what? He never got bitter. You never hear him like... With the poor Mimi's. Such a, it's never singing the blues. I mean, it's a challenge, isn't it? Trusting the sovereignty of God, trusting that God's in control. And where's he? Remember where he ended up? Whose house? Jim Bob Johnson, what was his name? Whose house? Potiphar, right? Potiphar bought him off the, the, the auction block, brought him in under his roof. And God had his hand upon this young man. And it tells us he was handsome. He was a stud. Stud muffin. Do they still use that term, stud muffin? I don't know. <laughs> Studly dude. Like, 
handsome and ripped and you remember what happened? Potiphar's wife over and over and over lie with me, lie with me, not to take a nap. And no doubt she's beautiful, right? Otherwise it wouldn't be a temptation. Just like common sense. But here's a young man that purposed in his heart. All these things that Paul just communicated, we need to take this to heart. Because remember what he said to Potiphar's wife, first of all? He said, number one, you're my boss's wife. You are joined to him. I'm not to be joined to you. How could I sin and do this great wickedness against God? <coughs> you know why he said that? Because he recognized I'm joined to God and I can't join myself to that at all. It's great. Sexual immorality is great wickedness. He sought for what it is. That's what Paul's trying to communicate to the church here. But then did she let up? Did she take no for an answer? What did she do? Because remember, she hit the gas, didn't she? <laughs> All of a sudden, there he is. He's in the house. No one's around. And she just slithers up, grabs a hold of him. And what does he do? Duh. What does he do? He runs. He takes off. Boom. Flee sexual immorality. There are some times, listen, we need to run. There's some, listen, maybe this week you're going to need to run. Maybe it's not sexual immorality. Maybe it's some other youthful lust. Maybe it's to flee idolatry. I think we're told that in the New Testament too, aren't we, in the book? Flee idolatry. To run from it. Putting something above God. There's times, listen, Christian, brother, sister, my precious, beloved brother, sister, my friend. There's times you and I need to run. To flee, to get away. And he says it here, flee. And by the way, sexual immorality, it's the word pornea in the Greek, in which we get pornography or pornographic. But that word is fornication, and it means, listen to this, it means any type of sexual gratification or street level getting your thrills outside of the marriage bed as prescribed by God in his word. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? No? Is that not clear, you guys? I hope it's clear. And, and, it, and it speaks of sexual immorality affecting you in a way like no other sin. He who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. It's not just physical. There's a spiritual component. There's an emotional component. And so... He goes on in verse 19 as we finish up here. He asks him, do, do you not know again? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is also awesome. Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Again, Paul expected them and us to know this. Your physical body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You guys remember what the temple was for in the Old Testament? It was the place to commune with God, to meet with God. Notice it's the temple. It's not the condo. It's not the apartment. 
not the pup tent. It is the temple where the glory of God would be. That's beautiful, isn't it, to consider this morning? The temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he says, is in you from God. Glorious gift from God. Listen, when you became a child of God, now guess what happens? Your body's the holy place. Literally, it's the holy of holies. So wherever you go, there goes the holy of holies. That's amazing. It's where God meets you. It's where you commune with God. And not only that, check this out, not only that, and you now become what? His conduit. His instrument. His poema. His work of art. To do what? That people may see Him. That people may experience Him through your life. That people may hear Him through you. Does God use other people to speak through to you? You ever experienced a hug from someone and it was like, wow, that was straight from the Lord. I needed that so desperately. That word of encouragement. That challenging thing that person shared with me. I shared first service. Um, you know, God can use even people that can't speak. Did you know that? My son Luke, you guys know, he's nonverbal. Uh, has cerebral palsy. And when he was younger, when he was young and the kids were young, it was before Alana, um, Tanya was gone out of town. And um, I had the three kids, Sloan, Luke, and Mackenzie. And um, I don't remember if they were up to no good in the hood or what was going on. <laughs> but I snapped. I got mad. I yelled at them. You guys ever do that? <laughs> And uh, so Luke, you, know, you guys know his main mode of transportation. He can use a little walker to walk in, but his main mode of transportation is crawling or knee walking. When he's knee walking, it's like it's on. He's fast. He's cruising around through the house. So he gets on his knees and he cruises across the room. You now the girls are like crying. He cruises across the room and he picks up this book in his hand. And it's one of these books, you guys ever seen these books? It has like um, Bible stories and you press the, 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 the buttons along the side and it sings the song that corresponds. You guys ever seen that? With the Bible, like uh, Joshua, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You press the button and you look at, oh, look at that. And you know, there's no fighting going on, just circling the wall. But then he turns to the page and he starts pointing to Jesus and looking at me. I'm going... I knew it was the Holy Spirit saying, he was saying, Dad, you're not showing us Jesus right now. The, listen, the Lord wants to use our lives. We've now become, our bodies have now become the residence of the Holy Spirit. To shine for Him. That people see His glory through us. That they hear from Him through us. They experience a touch from Him through our lives. Listen, it takes a body to do that, doesn't it? It takes a body to do that. that. You know what that tells me? Our bodies are meant to be used by God. Are you with me still? Our bodies are meant to be used by God. Well, maybe you're saying, your Pastor, you know what? I get, I get it, man. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means I need to get totally ripped, right? Six-pack abs, <laughs> non-GMO food, all natural. That's what I need, Right? Don't want to put any junk in the temple. 
listen, if the Lord leads you in that, go for it, man. Hallelujah. I, personally, I think we should take care of the temple. I do. I, I try to stay in the best possible health I can and in shape, not only to take care of a special needs kid, so that I want to be useful. I want to be available to Jesus for as long as possible. And I think I look at this and I give a thought to how I take care of my body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's an isn't it an amazing gift from God? Our bodies. And you realize that when you realize your body is valuable, you won't want to trash it. But take care of it. Didn't Paul say something like that to Timothy? Bodily exercise profits a little bit, right? But godliness is where it's at. In fact, look how he finishes. For you were bought at a price. Now let me back up. You are not your own. Why am I not any longer my own? Well, because Jesus bought us. What did he buy us with? Silver, gold, million bucks. What did he buy us with? His precious blood, right? He gave his life for us. To set us free. To give us a fresh start, a second chance. To provide a complete forgiveness. Because of what he did for us, you guys. He gave his life. For mine and for yours. He paid the price. And then he says what? Therefore, in light of that, what should we do? Here's the application. He's continuing the application. In light of that, therefore, glorify God. Where? In your body and in your spirit, which are God. So our body, our spirit, our whole being belongs to the Lord. So what does it mean to glorify God? You know what, that you know what it simply means? Well, there's lots of good definitions. It simply means to make God look good. Make Him look good. He gets the credit. He gets the praise. He gets the honor. And so let me finish with a couple thoughts. Because we've still got a couple minutes. I can't believe I'm finishing early. Since God owns us, let's honor God with every part of our being. Let's glorify him with our bodies, you guys. I don't think we have a right to pollute or abuse God's property. I think the second thing is to consider and just to let it just sink in this morning is God himself lives in us. You know what that means? Well, we're told in Philippians 2, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He gives us the will and the power to do it. And that includes resisting sin. Can the Holy Spirit resist? Can the Holy Spirit resist sin, you think? I do. He's living in you and he's living in me. So we need his help. Here's the last point. God paid a price for you. You know what that tells me? You're valuable to Him. You're valuable to God. You know, that means quit acting like trash. That may be a word for someone this morning. Or quit letting people treat you like trash. Quit letting people treat you like you're not valuable. 
Because what does God think of you? You're of eternal value. God gave his best, his son, to make us his own, to come and to live in us, and to continue with us for all eternity. You're his. You belong to the Lord. Bring him glory. Make him look good in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, the the weight of the passage is so necessary, so needed this morning. Thank you for ministering to our hearts. Thank you for the sweet reminders, the encouragement, the challenge. God, we need it all. That we would truly glorify you. So help us to sort through all of this, to make the application, and to watch you work powerfully, wonderfully, gloriously in our lives.